From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. I am joined by uh, the man who we have been celebrating uh, for quite some time, celebrating 30 years in this incredible city of Houston. He is the market icon. That is Uncle Funky Larry Jones. How you doing? I'm good, sir. I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 years in the city. Covered a lot of ground, man. Seen a lot of things. Been a lot of places. And one of our favorite places is historic Fifth Ward, Texas. Fifth Ward. The home of the Hester House with our next guest coming up. Yes, and we have the chairman of the Hester House, Mr. Jeremy Brown. Good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. How are you all doing today? We're doing Great. well, Jeremy. So let's um, let's get started, my friend. The Nickel for the Nickel campaign, what is that all about? The Nickel for the Nickel is a comprehensive five-year community re-engagement campaign uh, to de- designed to attract funds and community resources that will sustain Hester House programs and activities and services for the long haul. Uh, a lot of folks uh, and I say a, a re-engagement campaign because, as both of you all know, Hester, uh, the Fifth World community is changing, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. With uh, gentrification and all these things, so we have new neighbors. So it's introducing new neighbors and welcoming old neighbors back to Hester House and the resources that they've provided to the community for over 75 years. And, Jeremy, let's talk about the, 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 the depth and the warmness and the, the positive effect that the Hester House has had for such a long time in fabulous Fifth Ward, Texas. Let me, uh, let me tell you this from, uh, for a quick story. So to answer your question, I'm from the south side of Houston, mm-hmm. right? But I've known Hester House through my family. So like so many families, my, uh, that uh, my grandfather is one of 12 kids, and he was the third oldest. And they, they came from East Texas. If you know Grapeland, uh, Houston County, they're from that area, okay. right? And so after my grandfather got out of the Army, a lot of his, uh, his mother and father were there, along with a lot of his younger siblings. And he convinced his father to come to Houston to live a better life. Right. And so they did come to Houston and part of coming to Houston, they landed in Fifth Ward. And what Hester House provided a lot of his younger siblings were the opportunities it didn't have in Houston County. They were able to, you know, play basketball and all these. And the difference between my grandfather's life and the younger siblings' life, a lot of had to do with the opportunities that Hester House provided so many uh, African Americans, particularly coming from Louisiana, uh, East Texas, that they just didn't normally have. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you the difference between his life and his younger siblings' life. Because of those opportunities that Hester House provided, it created uh, Dr. Ruth Simmons, one of my aunts who. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. president of Ivy League school, now president of Prairie View and uh, uncle of mine, uh, Clarence Subberfield, who went on to coach basketball at the historic Booker T. Washington High School uh, and was one of the winningest coaches in, in Texas high school basketball history. And Indeed. another uncle of mine, Ruben Subberfield, became uh, one of the first fire captains uh, in the city of Houston Fire Department. So the opportunity historically that Hester House provided so many youth in the Fifth Ward area to go on to do greater things, 
uh, is really the legacy that we're trying to keep on providing opportunities for our youth. Let's talk about the 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 youth development because the Hester House um, can have a notation of just where the seniors gather, but that's right. far from the truth. Although there are some seasoned citizens there, you have yes, a dynamic sir. youth development program. Can you share a little bit with uh, of that with our audience? Yes, uh, so we you know uh, people may know or may not know Hester House is right across the street from Atherton Elementary School. And a lot of parents cannot afford the school care, so a lot of those kids come to Hester House where we do, you know, chess club, uh, we have a music program, we have a STEM program, uh, have open gym for the kids, not only for a way for they can be safe and parents can work and pick them up, but provide enrichment opportunities that they may not have in the classroom itself. Uh, this summer, uh, you talk about things that we're going to have, you know, uh, STEM classes. Uh, we have the Street Olympics uh, that a lot of our uh, kids go through uh, in partnership with Harris County Precinct 1 and Commissioner Rodney Ellis, who's been an ongoing partner with us. So it's, again, it, those activities for us are the opportunities that historically has the house has provided. And that's what we want to do is sustain those opportunities for kids. So a lot of kids aren't able to you know, go to summer camp, right, or do other programs. So we want to make sure that they have those type of opportunities to, to lead successful lives and hopefully give back to the community. And I'm, I'm going to ask, there should be, I would think, an opportunity for the seasons, seasoned citizens to have a chance to mingle with the youth there and share some stories and, and maybe help ground them as well as a parent. Oh, yes. Okay. So and we had those opportunities there uh, before COVID, and we as we are getting out of COVID, present those opportunities, storytelling time, uh, mentorship opportunities that connect our youth and uh, our seniors. Uh, like I said, hey, for me, one of my uh, hey uh, uh, my greatest mentors is right, uh, and a lot of the lessons I've learned uh, become from uh, came from him. So it's presenting those opportunities to kids is really as chairman of the board, is one uh, one of our main uh, priorities. Uh, Jeremy KG is taking the mic now, and he has uh, he's got a very curious look on his face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, but just listening to um, everything, especially when it comes to the youth, the youth development um, programs. Talk about that and the uh, the curriculum uh, components uh, that you all have for that. So, yeah, so again, uh, doing uh, STEM, uh, STEM summer camp, uh, well, I want to talk about that uh, a little bit where kids can learn coding, uh, robotics. Ooh, that and, is the way uh, right now, yes. Jeremy. That yes. is it. I'm sorry. Go but, ahead. No, I just got excited uh, because that's what yeah, our kids yeah, yeah. are doing. You know, we've got the whole metaverse that's going yeah. on, gaming and, and, and all of that, and, and the kids are – I mean, like it or not, and if people don't even realize it or not, parents that are listening, your child is already in the metaverse. (laughs) When they're playing on Fortnite or, you know, in the little VR or if they're on their PlayStation or whatever, like they're already there. I'm sorry. But, yeah, coding and gaming, like that is the wave. Go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Robotics and things like that. So we're we're preparing this summer for a STEM summer camp and, and have trips for the kids to go to NASA. Right. And, and, and again, providing opportunities that may be outside of the realm to, 
to see other things. But uh, going back to basics and, and partnering uh, with a group, uh, uh, Hype Freedom School, who does, uh, that's a, a original group that primarily is on the south side of town, that's reading empowerment, uh, and kind of the, the, the Freedom School movement that was in the 60s, uh, you know, if you can't talk about voting empowerment, if folks don't know how to read and, and write or whatnot. And so really going back to the basis of uh, having kids uh, learn, you know, being excited about reading, being excited about their history. Unfortunately, with our state legislator looking at, you know, doing what they call critical race theory, but what I call revisionist history, our kids, you know, particularly African-American kids, aren't able to know their full story and be comfortable in a setting to allow their full story. If so I could interject how, right here. Oh, yes, sir. You mentioned in the critical race theory and the narrative uh, that the media is running with is as if this is going to be taught to kids in elementary, junior, and high school. Critical race theory is something that you don't get into until at least your second, your sophomore year in college. So I'm just your like... first year in law school. Critical race theory is a law school uh, uh, thing, but it's a political talking point. Yes. That people, unfortunately, people use that as a way to get elected. But unfortunately, like the history of this country, it hurts black and brown, particularly poor black and brown kids. And Hess House, and knowing that Hess House wants to be a sanctuary where kids can flourish and understand their history uh, and, 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 and empowering them to understand that within and also being excited about reading. So that is our partnership with High Freedom School. So it's mixing what we do on STEM side, but also on the humanities side, making sure folks know their culture. Culture. I got a. I just want to tell a short story. My niece uh, sent me a video of my three little nephews in Black History program. Mm-hmm. And you know, in Black History program, we celebrate in the. You know, the we. Hey, everybody needs to be celebrated in the work that everybody has done. But I was particularly proud that my nephews decided to celebrate Paul Robeson, mm-hmm. who not only was a great athlete, an actor, but an activist. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of empowerment and enrichment that we want to have continued at Hester House, but in understanding today's world with the STEM uh, lean as well. Nice. I, I love it. You guys are um, covering the gamut with the youth development program um, and then the senior services. Oh, plan. the season. Please. We we were fortunate uh, a few years back uh Jeremy to 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 bring one of our radio shows out to the house. We did a we did a full broadcast uh, from the Hester House and really had a chance to see how giving and how how much compassion uh, yeah. the, the staff and the men and women who work at the Hester House. Uh, it, it was like they were really taking care of their own uh, grandmother, grandfather, man. It was such a great experience. Can you speak on the, the programs for our seasoned citizens at the Hester House? Well, again, opportunities uh, that we try to provide, particularly to our senior citizens. Uh, we have a, a daily uh, coffee and devotion uh, with our seniors, uh, rhythm walking, arts and crafts, oh, just providing nice. a safe <laughs> place in the community where they can come together. Now, unfortunately, during COVID, you know, a lot of those uh, activities were suspended, but we are getting out of that 
and moving forward. And even I would say this, one of the things that I'm proud of before even I became part of the Hester House Board is even during COVID, uh, the Hester House partnered with the Houston Food Bank to do a daily food giving, making sure folks had the necessary uh, resources. And that staff, uh, oh, God bless that staff, came out every day to make sure folks uh, were served uh, uh, while we faced this uh, tremendous uh, uh, pandemic. So, and you know, the things you said, uh, I, I'm so proud to be a part of this community. Uh, we don't, we have done a lot. We are planning to do more uh, because the work is, is not, is not done. Mm. No, go ahead, Anki. No, uh, we're speaking with our special guest this morning, uh, Chairman of the Hester House, Jeremy Brown. The fundraising part of this we need to get involved in right now. Nickel for the Nickel campaign. I love the title, love the, the significant aspects of all of that that you're doing. So is there a limit to how much one can donate to this program? Of course not. A nickel for the nickel, you know, you got to, as, as as with all marketing, something has to be catchy, right? Sure. Uh, but <laughs> but the nickel for the nickel campaign in partnership with Chase Bank and Allegiance Bank, Chase Bank and Allegiance uh, will allow Houston residents to drop off their coins at selected locations, and they have a space to provide financial I want to give a special shout out to Willow Avenue uh, Baptist Church, who uh, on a couple of weeks ago gave a generous donation of thirty thousand dollars to Hester House. Yes, uh, Mike Ryan, who uh, father Mark Ryan was the one of the founding members of Hester House, get uh, pledged ten thousand dollars. My wife and myself for this year are pledging ten thousand dollars to Hester House. Uh, just because, again, you give to uh, the folks that came out of Hester House, again, my, my, my aunts and uncles poured so much into me. At the least, this is what I can do. Because you just have to push forward and pay it forward, as, as folks said. So there's no ceiling. And at the end of the day, if you can just afford a nickel, all, all gifts are accepted. Hey, I, you mentioned earlier about coming out to Hester House a few years back. Hey, I, I welcome the opportunity to come back, particularly during the summer, to see all the activities that go on during the summer with our youth and seniors. Oh, we, we, we'd love to. We yeah. would absolutely love to. Jeremy, early in the conversation, you mentioned about uh, new citizens moving in and and them taking on the, the, the oh, oh, I think about a statement, it's, uh, getting to know the mindset of first historic Fifth Ward and the contributions that the Hester House has made. What types of uh, diverse people are moving into Fifth Ward now? <laughs> I, I mean, some people say gentrification, but I mean, you can't, you can't ignore their new townhomes, $300,000 townhomes right. coming into uh, to the area because of our proximity to downtown. Uh, there's a growing Hispanic community uh, that's in uh, in the area that we 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 join and and, and and want to be a part of. But you know the it, Fifth Ward is it it's, it's always had that history of being this coalition group. Right. Uh, I can think back. You know, folks, folks well, not don't a coalition name a group. Belief, but, 
<laughs> what did you say? No, I said not a coalition group. <laughs> well, coalition as far as uh, black and brown communities, because okay, Denver gotcha. Harbor is so close. Okay. Right. Denver Harbor is so close that, you know, the entrees into the uh, Hispanic population and black population, particularly was the leader under the leadership of uh, Ben Reyes and, and Mickey Leland, making sure you, you know, there are more things that bind us than separate us. Right. Two, two great, so that's, two great individuals. I just let, let me co-sign with you. Two great individuals. Right. Right. And that, that Mickey Leland tree really is, uh, in the heart of uh, Hester House right now. Uh, the reason that Hester House has a partnership with uh, Commissioner Precinct 1 started with El Franco Lee, who was a close friend of Mickey mm -hmm. Leland. Uh, we have a uh, a gymnasium that was funded through state money that uh, uh, State Representative Harold Dutton uh, uh, was able to push through. That was through uh, Mickey Leland. Uh, uh, under the Mickey Leland tree. Our current county commissioner, Rodney Ellis, mm -hmm. uh, who is uh, pushing that partnership with Precinct One, was chief of staff uh, for Mickey Leland when he was a, a congressman. So it, that Mickey Leland tree, uh, it, 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 it permeates through Hester House and Fifth Ward. And part of that tree is building coalitions uh, outside you know, the historic African-American community because, again, what binds us together is better and, and more fruitful than what separates us. Man, you guys have a lot going on. What I really, really, really love um, that I see, one of the programs that you all offer, is that you all offer swim lessons, adult swim lessons, beginner swim lessons, uh, and you know the... Um, <laughs> The, the running perception, perception of black folk is that, you know, we don't know how to swim. I myself, yeah. um, what is this, 22? So four summers ago, um, mm -hmm. I took it upon myself to start swimming lessons. And, um, and I did it for six months. Uh -huh. And uh, the best money I could have spent, sure. you know, because I was like, it floods so much here in Houston. If something yeah. <laughs> cataclysmic were to happen, a tsunami or something, I need to be able to swim up out of this thing. Because we, because it's not a minute. It's been a flood every year. I need to know how to how to uh, swim. And so um, I did that. And you all offering that that is uh, amazing. Is that year round or just a, um, a seasonal summer thing? It's a seasonal uh, seasonal thing. But I would say we have an indoor swimming pool, right? So. And we have a, a outdoor one as well, and so those things are uh, are, are seasonal, just because of staffing limitations. So that's really something Commissioner El, uh, the late Commissioner El Franco Lee really pushed. He was an avid swimmer. Mm -hmm. uh, matter of fact, they have a competitive swimming uh, program uh, for Precinct One through the um, uh, Street Olympics, uh, and so it's it's one of those things. He and, and something that Commissioner. Um, Commissioner Ellis has, uh, you know, has kept up with. I think he was in the same predicament as you, didn't really know how to swim. So I took the opportunity to learn how to swim as well. I tell people all the time, I don't, I, I kind of know how to swim, but I just know not how to drown. <laughs> That's good, Jeremy. That's good. That's good. Well, um, I'm definitely um, going to come to the nickel and check out uh, the Hester House. I mean, all of the programs that you all have are just, I mean, it, it, this is amazing. It's a one-stop shop. I mean, I can go learn something. I can, you know, go work out. I can take a swim. 
you know, I can speak to my elders. <laughs> I can play with the young folks. Like it's, I'm coming to see y'all, bro. All right, Jeremy. Please so do. Just, Please so do. Just you have an open invitation. In, in, indeed. And thank you so much uh, for your time. Thank you all. Have a good one. This is Uncle Fonky Larry Jones with KG Smooth, and you're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We'll be right back after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Uncle Funky Larry Jones will be joining joining us in just a bit. Hope you're doing well on this wonderful Sunday morning. On the phone line I have with me, she is the Director of National Services at one star. Ladies and gentlemen, Jacqueline Kolar is on the Public Affairs Podcast. Uh, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, we spoke to you all last year, the good people over at One Star, and I specifically remember that because Larry and I, we kept um, getting confused. We, we kept saying On Star like the first like <laughs> two or three times, and then, you know, it yes, like... We are- it's one star. And we were just confused because, you know, the one star is is, is one word. And so that was, yeah. uh, but. Um, yeah, d- we are not the navigation service. You are not. <laughs> that you are not. <laughs> so um, for those who may not be uh, familiar, Jacqueline, um, tell us who is one star? What is one star? What is it that you all do for those who, who are not familiar? Yeah, thanks for asking. So One Star, we are the State Service Commission for Texas. Um, So as part of our work, we are overseeing all of the AmeriCorps state funding throughout Texas. Um, Beyond AmeriCorps, we're really focused on developing, build and building resilient and thriving communities. And we're doing that with investment in the volunteerism sector, by building capacity of nonprofits and helping the communities um, be resilient to disasters. Mm, okay, and especially here in Houston and in yes. Harris County with um, the issues that we have with flooding, you know, when it, yes. when it rains too had. much or, you know, a hurricane will come through. Um, so that is uh, very timely. And you all offer um, some other services as well, yes? Well, so our, our biggest program area at One Star is AmeriCorps. So we are working directly with 42 different organizations across the state, many of them in Houston, that are directly overseeing AmeriCorps programs and AmeriCorps members. Um, serving with those AmeriCorps programs, there's over 3,000, 3,600 individuals serving as AmeriCorps members this year in Texas through our programs. Hmm. That's uh, very interesting. Um, and... What about volunteers? Like, because this sounds like something that um, the people of Houston would like to volunteer. And I'll share this real quick. When Harvey happened, when Hurricane Harvey happened uh, in 2017, um, I wasn't here during that because that was um, that was the weekend of the Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor uh, fight. And so I had flew home to Dayton, Ohio, because my brothers were throwing a fight party. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to come home. And so I went home for the fight party. Harvey hit. Mm -hmm. I could not get back 
to Houston. I ended up being home, and thank God I was home and nowhere else where I had to spend money. Um, I ended up being home for 10 days because I couldn't get back into Houston because flights just kept being canceled. But as I was there, watching the news, flipping through all of the cable news channels, and I saw how Houston stood up for Houston, and neighbors were helping each other, all different walks of life, different races, backgrounds, religions, whatnot. I specifically remember seeing um, an older white gentleman with a boat pulling up to uh, a house of Muslims with uh, an Asian lady who was helping them put some things in and another black gentleman. And that that restored my faith in humanity. Houston literally restored my faith in humanity with helping Mm -hmm. each other, not waiting on anyone else, getting the job done themselves and, you know, just volunteering their time and resources to help their neighbor. And I just thought that that was amazing. And that's just who, you know, Houston is um, as a city. Uh, So uh, saying all of that to say uh, with the volunteers that um, you will have, how can people um, become a part and volunteer? Yeah, man, there's some incredible stories that came out of Houston um, during and after Hurricane Harvey that I think made us all proud to be Texans. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's... There's a number of different ways to get involved. Once I was very involved um, and, and still is involved in the recovery of Houston through our Rebuild Texas Fund, which is a, um, a philanthropic fund that we manage, granting out funds to organizations helping to rebuild um, the Houston and surrounding community. Uh, in terms of volunteerism, we have a volunteer platform called volunteertx.org, and you can go on to that platform and find volunteer opportunities. Um, And that is true at any point in the year, Um, not just during and after a disaster, but at any point when you want to get involved in your community, you can go there to find volunteer opportunities. And we partner with um, Volunteer Houston, the volunteer center there locally with to coordinate those volunteer opportunities and have access to them on the statewide portal. Um, those opportunities also show our AmeriCorps positions. So if anyone is out there and they're interested in taking their volunteerism a step further and signing up for a dedicated term of service, these can run three months to a year. Um, AmeriCorps positions are available on that volunteertx.org portal as well, um, where you can sign up as an AmeriCorps member. Um, Lots of our programs are currently recruiting for members to start this coming fall. Oh, nice. And um, for those who may not be familiar with AmeriCorps, um, could you could you talk about that and explain, um, you know, how they tie into a one star? I would love to. Yeah. So one star's role, we are providing support and oversight to AmeriCorps programs around the state. AmeriCorps itself is a federal program that creates opportunities for people to give back and serve their community during a dedicated term of service. And in return, they're getting some benefits. So any AmeriCorps member earns a modest living allowance. They earn an education award. That's about $6,000 for a full-time term of service. They can use that education award after their service to pay back student loans or to pay for future schooling. Full-time AmeriCorps members also are eligible for health insurance and childcare benefits. And then all AmeriCorps members are gaining professional development, work life experience um, during their term. 
members can be doing a wide range of activities. Um, we have members that are supporting first-generation high school students get into college, um, low-income communities access health care resources, rebuilding homes after disasters, uh, providing services to individuals experiencing homelessness, job readiness skills trainings. So a wide variety of activities um, to support the local community. Um, they're serving with nonprofits, schools, government entities, um, those types of organizations. Mm, okay. And then and uh, people can go to you all's website, too, if they want to um, join AmeriCorps as well, correct? Yes, absolutely. You can go to onestarfoundation.org. And there's a Join AmeriCorps button at the top. If you click on that, it will take you to the volunteertx.org platform that has a filtered um, filtered view of all the AmeriCorps positions in Texas. Nice. Well, let's talk about you for a moment, being the Director of National Service at One Star. Um, but how long have you held this position, and what was it that um, mm. that made you want to be uh, a part of One Star? Yeah, I've been at One Star for seven years now. Um, in this position or a version of this position for about five years, I have spent my entire career in AmeriCorps. I first started as an AmeriCorps member. Okay. Uh, I served my first term up in Burlington, Vermont, um, working, serving in a, a nonprofit in a high school up there. Finished that term and wanted to come back to Texas. I had lived in Texas for a few years before that. So came back for Texas for a second term of service, did a second year. I'm a two-time AmeriCorps alum, loved it, saw the impact of AmeriCorps. In AmeriCorps, we talk about the triple bottom line where you can have, this program has an impact on those receiving services, those that are serving and are in service, the AmeriCorps members themselves, and then on the community as a whole, having access to these resources in their community. And I saw firsthand as an AmeriCorps member the impact in all three of those areas and how communities were stronger from having a network of AmeriCorps programs and members. I myself grew immensely during my two years of service where I got the service bug and wanted more of it. So I went and worked for an AmeriCorps program. I worked for an AmeriCorps program for about five years. I was supervising members. I was putting together budgets for the program. I was, you know, uh, keeping track of member files and things like that. And then wanted to take it a step further, came to One Star and just love having this uh, opportunity to talk about AmeriCorps at a statewide level and really invest in in partnerships and resources to keep building the momentum for AmeriCorps across Texas. Nice. So since you have firsthand experience <laughs> with this. <laughs> For um, people listening and, and, and they want to volunteer their time and, and become a part, can you walk us through um, your experience and like and kind of what you see, kind of paint the picture um, for the audience, for those that want to um, volunteer? Because it sounds uh, it sounds like um, that it's good, wholehearted, loving work. But, you know, because you're giving of yourself and, and, and your time. And so, you know, yeah. it always feels good um, to give back. But as you said, you know, a, a, a lot of your growth came from that. Can you just, you know, touch on what it is that you saw and experienced? And what was it that made you a, a better woman? Yeah, so I love that question. So for myself, I, when I first served as a AmeriCorps member, um, 
AmeriCorps was even less of a household name than it is now. I know it still has some brand recognition to go, but even, you know, 14 years ago, even less so. And so I didn't even know AmeriCorps was a thing until someone mentioned it and I looked it up and I immediately saw these dots connecting of, you know, what I was wanting out of life. I was wanting to um, uh, give back to my community. I was wanting experience of what it would look like to work in a nonprofit, but I really didn't know where to go or how to start that process. And AmeriCorps quickly, I saw, was was the door and the pathway to that. Um, And so for myself, I served as an AmeriCorps VISTA member, uh, meaning I was doing more behind-the-scenes type service. So I was supporting a nonprofit organization, um, build their systems and capacity to to offer more services. So I was doing grant writing for them. I was doing a little bit of um, uh, kind of program development for them. And through that, I, one, learned how much I didn't know. You know, like you don't know what you don't know until right. you learn it. And so got this, uh, you know, this look into what it really means to work at a nonprofit and to run a nonprofit and all that it takes to keep, you know, keep that train moving forward. And so that was really um, critical uh, professional development experience for me to to have that experience. Um, I also saw for the first time, like really firsthand, the challenges that our students that we were serving were facing. Um, My first time of service, I was in Burlington, Vermont, which has a high refugee population. And so hearing these stories from students that had been, you know, in the U.S. for a year or two and all that they were having to learn and navigate in order to take the next step in their lives and figure out how to get a job or figure out how to get into college was really humbling. Um, And it just gave me such an amazing opportunity to really have a new perspective on the what the reality the day-to-day reality is for a huge portion of America that I didn't have before um, and so I, I yeah I, I think that was really important to my own development and um, and empathy for others yeah indeed you're listening to the public affairs podcast we're talking to Jacqueline Kolar the national uh, the director of national service at uh, One Star. Um, you can log on to onestarfoundation.org uh, to get more information and click on the Join AmeriCorps uh, to search for uh, opportunities for yourself. So, um, how have you all been doing um, within this last year with us still dealing with COVID? Yeah, man, I think we're all tired of saying the word pivot. I'll say that for sure. Listen here, I think we're all tired of it all, period. Yes. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think we all wished or thought that we would be done with it by now, right? So I think there's that, um, you know, I, I think we've learned a lot in the last two years where the things that we as a national service field are facing it's not necessarily the new anymore um which you know it was two years ago of quickly making these adaptations and changes but now we're moving into the how do we manage the grind of this being the current reality Um, and so we're really um trying to ramp up our support 
for our AmeriCorps members and programs in terms of mental health support is just taking a toll on everybody. Um, so making sure that, that our members and our program staff are feeling like they have those resources and support um, to keep, keep on going through the day and provide those services to their community. Each program is navigating something different at their service sites. Those that are serving in schools, um, which we have a lot of members serving in schools, it, it's still kind of a new thing every day, it seems like. Um, but overall, I mean, it, AmeriCorps members are extremely resilient, and it's really inspiring to see how our programs have adapted over the last two years to COVID and are innovating new ways to support their 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 clients, their students, their families. Um, and so I'll end it on a note of hope that I think um, I think the lessons learned over the last two years have made our program stronger. And I think it's opened this door to innovation in a, in a you know, kind of rethinking some assumptions that we've had on how program delivery must happen um, and open the opportunity to, to deliver more services in a um, really meeting individuals where they're at kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's awesome. I, um, just this morning, um, I saw a headline, uh, that the cases are down here in the, in America, um, 90%. So, um, I think we might be, uh, possibly coming to a close on this. You know, I'm, I'm noticing around mm-hmm. the country how, um, other states and um, major cities are uh, lifting the mask mandates and, you know, um, all of those kind of things. So maybe we have, um, <laughs> to use your term that we're all sick of, pivoted into another <laughs> direction where we can get back to somewhat how we were um, pre-March of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely hope so. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I went. I went to my first in-person conference last week, and it was amazing <laughs> to be able to see people in person that I haven't seen in two years. And, yeah, and, and hug them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know the impact that it has had on all of us as as humans, especially you know loving human beings. Um, physical touch um, mm-hmm. is a form of communication, and we need that as human beings to have that kind of energy exchange. And so, you know, during the thick of it or, um, you know, towards coming towards uh, into 2021, you know, going places and seeing some folks, you want to hug them, but you, yep. you know, we, we couldn't, <laughs> you know, and it just, man, it was just, yep. it was just really, really weird. It was just a weird time. What a time to be alive, huh? <laughs> what a, yes. What a time to well, be alive. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll, on that note, I'll say if anyone's listening and thinking about joining AmeriCorps, or going to volunteer in your community, I think we are all at this moment right now where this is going to be a time in our life that we will be talking about for the rest of our lives. The rest. We'll be telling our grandchildren, our great grandchildren about what it was like to live through the pandemic. And I think there's a lot of us that are really taking this opportunity to think about. How are we going to tell that story? What did we do at this moment of crisis in the world? And so, you know, I, th- I think now more than any time is the time that we're feeling this calling of how to give back to our communities and whether that's volunteering, whether that's through AmeriCorps service, 
whether that's you know donating if you're able to a, a local nonprofit or an organization that inspires you. I think this is our, our calling that we're all hearing right now um, as we are moving our way through this pandemic. Yeah, amen to that. Because uh, AmeriCorps, you, you, you all have been effective, especially over there at One Star, because you put caring individuals on the front line mm-hmm. and adapt to the unique needs of each community. And we um, thank you and uh, appreciate you for all of that. Listen, visit OneStarFoundation.org. That is OneStarFoundation.org and click on the Join AmeriCorps um, to search for these opportunities. Jacqueline, thank you so much for your time. This was a a great conversation. I felt like I was talking to an old friend. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Indeed. Jacqueline Kolar, Director of National Service at OneStar. We appreciate you. And to everyone listening to the podcast, on behalf of Uncle Funky Larry Jones, I'm KG Smooth, and we will see you next week.